Geekscapist, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. Yes, this is your longest running favorite geek podcast on the internet. And is it longest running because I'm dedicated or I just don't have anything better to do? Well, I've got this to do and it's been a great weekend. One Woman finally came out, a movie that we'd been waiting for for a very long time. And we're going to talk all about it. Um, I'm Jonathan London, if this is your first Geekscape. And thank you for listening. Every week I like to sit down and talk to a guest or a series of guests about a, a you know movies, video games, comic book, Comic-Con, TV, everything in the pop culture geekscape. That's kind of how I describe it. Uh, and this week is no different. I've got my good friend Ashley Robinson on. Ashley Victoria Robinson. Yes. Ashley Robinson is a WNBA player. I don't want to fight for SEO. So okay, the Victoria is paramount. The Victoria is very important. <laughs> the Victoria is, is, is in there. Um, and she's the host of Geek History Lesson. Uh, she's the main host. I'm going to say she's the main host of Geek History Lessons. Uh, I'm just kidding, Jason. I love you. It's the internet, <laughs> so you got to put a girl on the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, Jason is a very, uh, your husband, Jason Inman, is a very good friend of mine. Yes, uh, that's but, how I know you. But he is not invited because we're going to be talking Wonder Woman, the the movie that came out this past weekend. I loved it. Uh, there's so much I need to learn about it. So why not invite the host of Geek History Lesson on here to educate me? Um, and you can also find her not only on the Geek History Lesson podcast, which you definitely, definitely, definitely should uh, go and subscribe to right Jonathan now. Jonathan has been on it before, so you definitely want to check it out. <laughs> but you can also find her on the Jawin uh, YouTube channel. That's J A W I I N, uh, and she and Jason put up uh, post wraps on all, some of your favorite uh, comic book shows. They do all sorts of cool stuff, and I am so behind on my DC CW <laughs> universe. Oh, they're so good this season. I just Arrow watched. Killed it. Yeah, I w- I love that. I've heard that Arrow has a resurgence because that last season of Arrow that I watched was like because uh, I think I was spoiled by the. Uh, by the Deathstroke Mirakuru series season, oh, where yeah, I was yeah. just like, yes. Well, if you like Deathstroke, you're going to like season five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, I just watched the Riverdale pilot for the first time on Saturday, so I'm I way behind. I watched it last week. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's secretly about Betty and Veronica getting together, right? Because that's what the pilot taught me, that they're in love. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because uh, everybody in that pilot is so good looking. And I'm reading the Mark Wade Archie series, which I mm-hmm. think is incredible for... It's just a very it's it's a great modernization of Archie without adding any of the you know a lot of people when they modernize things are like oh it needs grit but no it didn't need grit <laughs> Mark Wade did a great job uh, and is continuing to do a great job of just making a cool pure Archie story and if you want something with that grit and some mystery then Riverdale's amazing so is um, Afterlife with Archie which is the zombie comic the and one. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina where we sacrifice Harvey Kinkle to the uh, the <laughs> undergods it's amazing in Robert Aguirre Sacasa did yes. I say his name properly uh, not only is like the showrunner he's the yes. writer on, on, the, on I Know Riverdale and he's written the Afterlife with Archie series mm-hmm. um, does he have anything I mean obviously he oversees it but is he doing the Sabrina series too um, I think he's over... I don't know if he's writing it or not. I awesome. feel really bad. I'm so sorry. Guys, if you thought Archie was like your parents' comic books, you're really missing out on a lot of stuff right now. We've gotten so far into the show already, and I haven't even mentioned our sponsors. Real quick, before we get really rolling, I want to mention you guys a little bit thing, a little bit of something called LootCrate.com. If you guys go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape, put in the promo code Geekscape, you get a subscription discount to any of those boxes that they offer. Uh, as I, This weekend, I got the Loot Anime box, and I've been reading... Um, what have I I've been reading? I've been reading um, this weird um, like ma- manga that they sent me called Parasite where this alien gets into this guy's hand and his hand gets controlled by this alien parasite and he's got to go around hunting down these other parasites that have gotten into his neighbors and his neighbors are going around being controlled by these parasites and like eating people. Like It's almost like if you're a fan of The Thing, mm-hmm. um, John Carpenter's The Thing, like definitely read Parasite, which is a pretty cool manga. And I got it through my loot anime box. So there's all sorts of cool stuff. If you're a, a wrestling fan, they've got a wrestle, wrestling crate called Slam Crate. If you just want the standard one, that's just Loot Crate. There's Loot Crate DX if you want cool giant robot toys because it's a pretty big crate. And then there's a Lootware box, which is pretty cool. It gives you clothes each month. So check it out. Also, recently on the last episode, I was in Stowe, Vermont at the Stowe uh, Story Labs, and they loved being on the show. And I loved being in Stowe, Vermont, working on screenwriting. So... If you guys are screenwriters and you guys think that Stowe is something that you guys want to check out, their application uh, deadline is July 16th. If you guys have written, let's say, a pilot for a TV show or just an outline, maybe you have a concept for a TV show or a movie, uh, send your scripts 
and apply to the Stowe Story Labs. Um, Google them. I think it's StowStoryLabs.com. But their application deadline is July 16th. Uh, maybe you'll be the, one of the people selected for uh, the September lab. And they're offering us a discount. So when you guys apply for 15% off, put in Geek Lab. And you guys can uh, have a little discount on your application. And it'd be awesome. Don't apply because I want to go in September. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great experience because you go and in in September you're basically like you pr- you pitch your projects over and over and over again, and it's and, and your story is just chiseled and chiseled and chiseled with feedback. And you get you have you know peer groups, but you also have mentors like industry mentors. So you leave that weekend. It's really closer to a week. You leave that experience really having a better. Uh, understanding of what your story is, what is, you know, I, I knew that when I left, my first act was too fat. And I, my first act was really long and I like, cut my first act down. And when I returned in September, the first act was totally fixed, but one of the characters was a bit deficient, one of the ma- major characters. And so I was like, okay, so that's what I worked on this past week. And now I really feel like uh, I'm going to go into this rewrite of the script and make it the best version of the script I possibly can, and it might really, 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 really finally be ready. My manager was like, hey, the script you have now is like a South by Southwest script. And I was like, is it a South by Southwest winning <laughs> script? That's <the> <laughs> Which is like the goal. Like, no, I get it, man. Like, I, I want to go to a film festival as much as anybody. And sure, maybe we can make this movie right now, but I don't want to fight to make my second movie. I mm-hmm. want this movie to be the best possible version of the movie right out of the bat if it's going to be my first film so that the second movie is a step up and not another fight to make another indie film. So the lab really helped. And again, Geek Lab is the discount code, 15% off on your application. And you know what? I think what David and David, my guests (laughs) from last week, I think what they're doing in Stowe is really awesome. So if you're a storyteller, that is definitely what, uh, it's definitely worth your interest. Um, Okay. Let's talk about the big event. (gasps) This is what Ashley's here for. <laughs> um, there's another podcast coming on later with Ian where he'll spoil the shit out of the movie and mansplain the whole damn thing to you. But Ian is a, he's a freak. He reads every comic book ever created. Uh, and Somebody has to. And he spoils it. So if you guys have, we're going to try not to spoil Wonder Woman for you, but we're going to tell you how much we love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we do spoil what we think of the movie right now. And what we think of the movie is, this is awesome. It's amazing. It's my favorite superhero movie. Period. Period. Like, no questions asked. Like, I walked out of it and I was like, it's my favorite. (laughs) Okay, so you feel like I do when I watch Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. It's a good one. Where I was like, holy cow. Yeah. They really nailed it. Yeah. Um, Tell us about, like, your first off, Ashley, since you give us a geek history lesson. Sure. Like, what is your history with the character? Um, You grew up in Canada. I did grow up in Canada. You grew up in Canada in in. She is, as Greg Rucker wrote in the last issue of of Wonder Woman, when the annual. Mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, good. You know, she she is drenched, drenched, even though she comes from, like, this ancient culture, she's completely drenched in American iconography. Uh, as a Canadian reading Wonder Woman, <laughs> what, like, what was the importance of the character? It's funny because Wonder Woman, to me as a Canadian, was easier to wrap my head around than characters like Superman or Captain America. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a really good friend growing up, and he loved Captain America. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, we're Canadian. You can't love yeah. Captain America. Yeah. You need to like like Puck from Alpha Flight. Uh, <laughs> if Marvel wants to relaunch Alpha Flight at any time, they can email me. I have a great pitch. <laughs> there is an Alpha Flight, but they're like the space guardians. Yeah, they, they are. I mean, right now, Alpha Flight is like the outer space you know, they're they're in orbit over Earth and they're watching for alien invasion and stuff. And I have the female guardian with the Canadian flag outfit action oh. figure on my desk. So Do it. I'm ready. Um, but Wonder Woman, I got introduced to her primarily from the Justice League animated series because, mm-hmm. I mean, she's always a part of the zeitgeist. It's really hard for me to say, like, this was the first time I heard of Wonder Woman because I probably had Wonder Woman clothes and toys from the time it was announced that I was going to be a female baby. You know, like, it's right. just like a thing that happens. Parents are like, start. Dressing her, let's go. Right now, yeah. Um, And I think the Justice League series, the animated series, does a really, really good job at condensing all of those characters, but particularly the Trinity, into what is most important about them. And because she doesn't have her own solo series, she's the only one of the Trinity who doesn't from that era. Right, because you had Batman animated series. And and Superman, yeah, Yeah. that that sort of are precursors to it. Um, I think she gets a little more focused there than maybe some of the other characters, uh, like Hawkgirl or Green Lantern. John Stewart, yeah. Yeah, although he's great. 
mm-hmm. uh, in that series, which is why everyone who's from my generation who doesn't read comics when the Green Lantern movie came out was like, no, but Green Lantern's black. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on and with we this believe, white guy? And I believe that in Green Lantern Corps, which is the movie they're trying to develop over at Warner Brothers, he may be black again. Like, yes, we're, like, which is we're so gonna, exciting. We're going to have all these different <laughs> kinds of Green Lanterns. So. Although my heart is holding out for Kyle Rayner. Uh, and he's my, Latino, so there's that. <laughs> my heart's holding out for the for the squirrel. <laughs> Oh, Chip? <laughs> Chip. <laughs> Chip. And Gnort, the dog? I want Chip and I want Mogo. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I want I want um, uh, uh, Dexter, the, the Red Lantern cat who's yeah. in Injustice. Oh, I want him so the bad. The Red Lantern cat. His, his origin story is the saddest thing in comic books. Yes. When Jeff Johns <laughs> wrote the origin story of Dexter, it was it was horrifying to me. It mm-hmm. shook me and I cannot read it and not cry. Yeah. So I read it nightly. <laughs> You're like I need a good cry now. <laughs> the green, the red lantern cat is worth googling, guys. And there's a great stuffed animal that you can buy that uh, that I have, but I can't own it. Oh man, <laughs> I can't have the memory. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas this year. No. Oh, my nightmares. Let's go. <laughs> That'll be great. Um, so, so back to Wonder Woman though. I kind of pushed against as a little girl the things that you're supposed to like because you're a girl because I'm a contrarian and uh, a jerk like that. But sure. I always really loved Batgirl more than I loved Wonder Woman. And I came to appreciate Wonder Woman the more I read her in the comics because she gets to be more of a fully fleshed out character there. Uh, the Greg Rucka, the original Greg Rucka run was the first thing that I picked up right after that. And it's to date probably one of her best series. But having a female character who is, you know, like Superman, inherently an outsider and more powerful because of that when you're a preteen and a teenager is a really powerful idea and a woman who can go toe-to-toe with Batman and Superman that you spend your entire life being told how amazing they are is also incredibly powerful. And then, you know, from the... I was... I'm fortunate, I guess, from when I was born to most of my life, superhero movies have been mostly cool. Like, the X-Men movies were pretty cool, mm-hmm. and the Spider-Man movies were pretty cool. And then we got into this golden age that we're in now. But it was always like, when's the Wonder Woman movie coming? When's Wonder Woman's TV show coming? Because Oof. we've had a ton of... We've had one Wonder Woman TV show, a bunch of failed pilots... We've had a ton of mediocre Superman and Batman TV shows. Right. Why can't we get another one? We've and had that David E. Kelly one that, that we've all seen the pilot yes. too, the Wonder Woman from a few years ago <laughs> that leaked onto the internet. The uh, the uh, Adrian yeah, pa- 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 it's, it's I'm uh, sorry, I think Mockingbird. It's, yeah, it's Adrian Pilecki. <laughs> yeah, and she's married to Alan Tudyk. And she plays Mockingbird on Agents of mm-hmm. Shield, and she's awesome as Mockingbird on Agents of Shield. And I'm sure she would have found her groove as Wonder Woman, but. Some it's the, not a great pilot. Yeah. Some of the interpretation <laughs> of that character maybe wasn't all there. Yeah. And that, and that's what happens when you translate stuff for television. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can find a balance like a lot of the CW shows have and sometimes uh, sometimes you don't. Yeah. The Netflix shows have been great at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. They yeah. have my favorite fights ever. <laughs> but it is that thing when you start looking at the history of Wonder Woman and you wonder why it took 76 years um, to get a movie. But at least they got it right. Mm-hmm. And it does sitting and watching it and... There's a scene, this is not spoilery because it's in the trailer, sure. where little Diana is overlooking all of the Amazon training on Themyscira. And I was crying in the theater when I saw it. I cried the second time I saw it because I didn't realize that I've been waiting my entire life to be represented that way in that kind of movie. And I think that's the impact that having to wait until my adult life to see it has had and the character's resonance throughout pop culture has had. And I think that's why this movie is so important right now. And if you know a girl who's like 15 or under... Take her to see it because it's going to be for that generation of women what Superman the movie is for white guys. <laughs> <laughs> Old ass people like me. <laughs> you I mean, mean, I can, you mean movie... I can fly around the earth and reset my all of my mistakes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Let's do it. Well, you're a white guy, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Hispanic guy. No, but, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, which is interesting because. I'm half white, though. Like, like, uh, like some superheroes who are like multi ethnic. You get it. I'm no Simon Baz. <laughs> oh, DC recently put out like a, a happy Ramadan with him on it. Yay. It was so amazing. Let's put him on the big screen. Let's go. Oh, uh, uh, and cast uh, Raul Cooley, who's already in your um, uh, iZombie. He'd be great. Yes. Oh, Raul would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He's funny as hell. He was on Supergirl, and I was like, make make him the series villain. He's so funny. I also want him to be Jafar or Aladdin. That would be fine. Sure. <laughs> um. So, w- w- so, so. One thing that I noticed when I was watching the, as much as I loved the movie and I'm watching the movie, uh, there is this groundswell, this social swelling of support for this film. Mm -hmm. And I worried, looking at the glowing reviews the week prior, I was worried that this is what the reviews were, was this 
uh, like appeasement of this social pressure to like this movie and being like, well, what if this movie's not that good, but you have to say it's good because there's so much social support for this film because we just need this film. And is that enough to warrant the merits of it? Like, can the merits of this movie just be carried on that alone? And sitting down in the seat, I worried, like, is is the importance of this movie existing going to be all it is mm-hmm. rather than the movie actually, like, garnering all those merits? And as I'm watching the movie, I'm, I'm like half watching the movie and I'm half watching the faces of the women and the girls in the movie. Mm-hmm. And during the, I think the trailers or the early opening credits of the movie, someone came into the movie late and turned on the light on their phone to find their seats. And I was like, oh, and I looked <laughs> over my shoulder and it was a man. It was like a single, I guess he was a single father and his daughter. And this little girl, and he was finding the seats, and I was like, I will so be okay with this guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. finding this girl a seat. Because as the movie starts, you just see the faces of everyone, and you do get that. So, like, the importance of this movie actually existing. Mm-hmm. And I got it. And you know what? The movie's fucking awesome. It is. It's and amazing. What, whatever quibbles I have, and, and we will talk about the quibbles, and it's mainly script stuff. Like, we'll, we'll talk about that on, mm-hmm. on, on the podcast because it's Spoiler City. Um, I was in love with it. And I was in love with it the entire time. The Themyscira stuff is amazing. Yes. And and I think it's because they hired real act, uh, real athletes to play the Amazons. Ooh, and some of the stuff they pull off in these shots, and I don't care if there's digital compositing or this and that, uh, they still had to do a lot of this stuff, guys. Yeah. It's fucking impressive. <laughs> it's amazing. My, my only quibble with that is that they're all wearing heels. <laughs> and I'm like, if this is a society of women, nobody's wearing heels. <laughs> no one's making you guys wear fucking heels, all right? I didn't notice that. That's awesome. I did. And all the men are like, yeah, but it's more impressive that they're running around with heels. And I it was like, no, sense. no, like, they hurt. <laughs> I mean, also, she's 100 feet tall. She doesn't need heels. She doesn't need, she doesn't need heels. Uh, and then it goes back to that early criticism when, uh, when, when uh, Gal Gadot was cast of like, oh, she's not brawny enough and this and that. I was like, you know what? She's a fucking demigod. God. Oh, she yeah. can she doesn't need the muscle. She doesn't need to be a hulking UFC cage fighter. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to look like a WWE like she doesn't need to look like China. Yeah. Like she can crush your skull with her hand. Like she gets it. Like uh, she's totally. super strong. <laughs> you ever heard of magic? <laughs> it's like <laughs> she's a lot of it. She's also a god. <laughs> yeah, she's a god, so enjoy. Um so you you're watching this movie. It's all pouring over you. I'm guessing you cried in the same way I did when I, Uncle Ben gave his speech in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Where I was like, oh, oh, I cried at that too. I cried at this, everything. How is this happening? <laughs> um, it, what What was the biggest accomplishment of the movie for you? And was there anything like having such a long appreciation of the character that you think, they, what is the thing that got most right? And what is the thing that you want to see possibly amended in the sequel or that you want to see more explored in the sequel that maybe the movie wasn't? Amazingly perfect for because it was pretty damn close. Interesting. Um, the thing that I was actually most surprised by is Chris Pine is Steve Trevor mm-hmm. because Steve Trevor to me is as important as Lois Lane and Selena Kyle in the pantheon of like superhero couples, although maybe not as appreciated as those two characters are. And for me, Chris Pine is usually uh, Captain Kirk Light. Sure. And I thought he did a really good job at giving a different performance and justifying their romance. And I really like the progression of that story through the movie. And I think that's the thing that maybe surprised me the most and I came to appreciate more than I ever have in the comics. Mm -hmm. Although I think the current rebirth Wonder Woman is doing a good job at explaining why he's important and why Diana loves him because if you're from the Mascara and you're surrounded by beautiful women and you have a nice girlfriend, like why would you date a man? (laughs) (laughs) And there's even, there's, there's even like a comedic scene that sort of addresses the idea of of that in the movie. I'm trying not to spoil it. It's very funny. Um, The thing I think that got the most right is that Diana being capable and powerful and maybe better than the men around her doesn't diminish anybody around her. When Mm -hmm. she goes over the top and they follow her and where that takes them and they continue to follow her throughout the rest of the film speaks well of them as men, speaks well of them as soldiers, and speaks well of her as a leader. Yeah, you're right. Because... She's a leader who is a female incidentally. She's not Uh a leader because she's a woman. She's the most capable. And the people who can get over that, and there's several of those characters in the movie and who can follow her, they're better for that because they're not letting uh, anything like, you know, misogyny or sexism get in the way. And I only see 
you're right because I just now realized that. Yeah. And I just <laughs> I'm like I'm like wow that is a really great character point. Um, that at first there are characters who have their reservations about mm-hmm. her as a female, and the, the, the movie does such a great job of when she leaves Themyscira, as you see in the trailers, and goes to London and starts becoming involved in World War One. You. She's obviously going to run up against the, uh, you know, the men who are running the war at that point. Mm-hmm. And those are some of the best scenes is her versus, like, I guess the new way of thinking. Yes. <laughs> you know, we always think of, like, sexist men as, like, the old way of thinking. But when you're from an ancient culture and you run into modern, quote-unquote, modern-day London mm-hmm. and everyone's thinking women should be taking a back seat, that's the new way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when she runs up against that, it's some of the best parts of the movie. I really enjoyed it. The, the writing in this movie was awesome. I definitely agree. Um, Alan Heinberg, um, who wrote that, also wrote a really great and, and co-created a team for Marvel called The Young Avengers, which has a lot of really capable women on it. So if you want a similar storytelling style, I would say definitely go pick that up. His first, yeah, his first run on, on you know, I mean, his entire run on Young, Young Avengers was awesome. Mm-hmm. And we're still kind of seeing those characters have major repercussions yes. in the modern uh, DC, uh, Marvel universe. And, and I wish those those characters were more prominent because I think they were the original Marvel modern day. But what I'm saying is post, you know, 2000, I think they were the first diversity initiative, especially right now. Definitely. Like Marvel did their big diversity initiative and they had that public like fallout where where. So I guess somebody was misquoted in saying like... Oh, that was at Comics Pro. That was at the uh, the Retailer Expo, yeah. And it was like, oh, diversity may not have been, you know, may not be working. Mm-hmm. And I think the stuff that is interesting in the Marvel Universe right now is that change, is a commitment to change. And I, as a fan, was really kind of let down in post-Secret War to when... Mm-hmm. Or the new Secret War, when... when Things just seem to go back. I thought. Well, in the in Miss Marvel, which is one of my favorite comics, um, the issue after Secret Wars happens is literally brushed aside with just a line, right? Like the world ended, and I'm still Miss Marvel, and now my mom knows. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> That's it, a little impact it had on the overall universe. I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa! This was a chance for you guys to progress, mm-hmm. and all it really did was cost us the Fantastic Four. Yeah, well, it was it was a dark time for them. <laughs> I hope the I Comic-Con loved, rumor that they're coming to the MCU is true. Yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed uh, Secret War, and the Fantastic Four is one of my favorite stories, and it's mm-hmm. Marvel's first family. Like, I think that they're, I think that the Fantastic Four is important in Spider-Man, Captain America, and the X-Men, uh, you know, and Iron Man and all that stuff. Um, we just need to find a way to treat them properly, and show me another family in the Marvel Universe that is handled that way. Uh, on the podcast that I do with Ian, Going into this, we start talking about the DC Entertainment Universe, and uh, I propose maybe not doing a Captain Marvel classic Captain Marvel movie, but mm-hmm. doing a Marvel family movie because where else? I'd love that. I, I just don't see that shade in the DC Entertainment Universe mm-hmm. right now. Where I see a lot of team, yes, and I see a lot of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see family. I don't see this aspect of like, hey, we can all be super in the, as a family. In almost like an incredible style flavoring of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the best Fantastic Four movie ever. The best Fantastic Four movie <laughs> ever. Um, both amazingly and sadly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. You know, like the Incredibles, <laughs> the Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie, but wow. Uh, God, it comes to the, at, the, at the glaring detriment of like <laughs> the, the cinematic Fantastic Four offerings, which. Oh man, that that's my dream franchise to be like, hey Jonathan, you can do anything in Hollywood. What Marvel do, can call Jonathan do? London at any time. And it's like, oh my god, I have my Fantastic Four film. I have my castings. I know who I'm hiring. I know how <laughs> I know how I want to make it, and it is a beautiful love letter to America in the twenty, you know, in, in the modern age, you know, of everything we're dealing with. It's awesome. Uh, okay, so. I don't think I answered your, your other yeah, half of your so, question. So, so is, is there anything that, that you were like, oh, I'd like to see this explored in a sequel, and there's one aspect of Wonder Woman that I celebrate that wasn't quite here? Uh, yes, there is. It's something I think that the way this... It's a specific character, and I think the way this character is incorporated in the movie is good, but they are more important to the... Especially the Golden Age Wonder Woman mythos than I think they got credit for in a, in a more active way is Etta Candy. Mm-hmm. I think Lucy Davis is incredible she's so funny uh she's a lovely human being if you ever see her and go and say hello to her she'll be very nice to you (laughs) just like she was to me great um and i think she's an actress too who's been around for a while and really understands the importance of what this project is and that's it's really cool when you can see people who understand the cultural impact that they're having on you 
And Etta is traditionally um, a peer of Wonder Woman who, <laughs> she was a girl who, in the Golden Age of Wonder Woman, uh, Diana F. Themyscira buys with money that she got from being an actor, Diana prints the nurse's identity because she mm-hmm. wants to look after Steve Trevor because he's in Walter Reed. And when she's there, she looks after Etta Candy. Etta gets out and she's she has to eat more because she's malnourished. Okay. And then she eats all this candy and <laughs> balloons up into this okay. sort of a, a curvy girl. And when Wonder Woman needs a bunch of Nazis to be punched, but she can't do it, she calls Etta and her college sorority friends, and they come and beat up the Nazis. That's hilarious. It's it's dumb. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, she she calls her telepathically, and Etta has this um, hat that she puts on her head, and she can hear what Diana's saying. And then they get in a car, and they drive to wherever the Nazis are, and they go and they punch them so Diana can go and, like, untie Steve. <laughs> okay, interpret that into modern filmmaking, and how does that work? <laughs> a magic hat that allows you to hear Wonder Woman's thoughts. Well... Mm, that's tough. Uh, you, Ooh, it's magic, <laughs> you know. That's like, how you, that's that, that's that's how like, you incorporate the 70s Wonder Woman like, theme. When she puts it on, it's like Wonder Woman. <laughs> and you just see like <laughs> a projection <laughs> of Gaul. <laughs> um, it would have, I, th- I think it would have uh, shorted some of the, you know, seriousness and significance of the treatment, modern treatment of the character. But did you miss the spin, even as a shout out? I would have liked it as a shout-out. I also would have liked uh, a rendition of that theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the Lego movie and the Lego games always incorporate it or a variation on it. And I think there could have been a place. I also would have had Linda Carter when um, baby Diana, you kind of see her in Themyscira. I would have loved to see her say, oh, hi, Princess Diana. Sure. Like, that's it. Have her play an Amazon somewhere in that. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Or see her, I don't know, playing a a lute or something. (laughs) Not that that we may not see Themyscira again. Mm -hmm. Like... That's, that's true. I think I agree with you that having Steve Trevor and Etta Candy in the World War One era, uh, although it was awesome in this movie, we are now in the modern age here. She's mm-hmm. part of the Justice League established in Batman versus Superman or is about to be really established in Justice League. Um, we're going to miss those characters. Definitely. Um, going into a sequel, what aspect that... We we no longer have Steve. We no longer have Etta because they existed in the World War One era. Going into, I guess, potentially a modern day sequel um, with Wonder Woman. Like, what aspects could replace those elements, or I guess uh, be a, a new take? Yeah, be a, I, I don't know. Take the role. It's kind of hard to replace those elements because they did mm-hmm. what they did so well. But but uh, is there another love interest? Is there another? aspect does she need a love interest is it you know what i mean like, like yeah, there's so yeah, many yeah. questions about how you would handle a sequel of this obviously patty jenkins should do the sequel <laughs> i want her to awesome. do the next justice league and the next superman <laughs> like just give her all of them <laughs> and, 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 and hopefully this is a this is a, a a shift in hollywood seeing this weekend the heart the biggest opening for a female director ever like mm-hmm. hopefully it, they're gonna start rolling it out I hope that extends to uh independent filmmaking as well so that yeah. we can bring people up who will direct what Something as important as Wonder Woman in five years, ten years, twenty years. I think we see that a lot, but in sort of a farm league way. Like you, you start to see Spider Man, like the new Spider Man movies being directed by an indie director. The Jurassic Park's directed by an indie director. Wait, see, and Cop, Cop Car is a great movie if you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, and you see these indie directors getting, you know, it's like I always joke, like I'm only two movies away from a Star Wars film, right? <laughs> like, cause, but cause you're just, only half white, and that right. is only extended to white guys. <laughs> you never see a young, a female director who's plucked out of, you know, South my by la- Southwest. My last name is London, and I'm playing that card. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so I, um, you know, you look at that, and you think, um, okay, uh, rather than take these these independent filmmakers and say hey we've already done all the special effects we're going to help you're going to just block the actors and you you know maybe not give input on the scripts i don't know really how the studios are using this arm system but i can understand like maybe you don't want to pay sam raimi how much sam raimi's mm-hmm. proven to be worth because sam raimi's proven to be worth a lot because he's made those blockbusters for you in the past maybe you don't want to continue to pay these tried and true established you know, uh, studio directors. So you go into the indies and you say, okay, who can make us Kong Skull Island? Who mm-hmm. can make us these these bigger films? Um, do, do the I mean, hopefully, there's there's a, there's an environment where their independent ideas also see to the page. I agree. You don't just hire them to block the actors after the roller coaster of the special effects sequences have been mm-hmm. visualized. You also bring them in to help visualize those because they've got ideas that are fresh. It, I think it'll keep us from the culture that we're kind of in danger of being in where 
we're now just making movies about movies. And it's, it's, <laughs> you're right. And it's tough when superhero storytelling is very formulaic. Like the tropes exist for a reason because they work. But we've seen enough origin stories now that you know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what uh, the hero's journey is now. And when you're trying to build a shared universe, yeah, like you're building a movie to advertise the next Avengers movie. You're building a movie to advertise the Justice League movie. Right. Um, and if you can't bring a strong enough point of view or a strong enough voice into, like, and I think Wonder Woman does that very well, um, it, it's lucky that it gets to be divorced by the time period, then it's just, yeah, you're just making a really long trailer. And that we're in. I think we do that sometimes. We're in danger of doing that more. And yeah, hopefully if you're being brought in to do more than maybe what a TV director traditionally does, which is keep the trains running, then we can get more interesting storytelling. And something in a second act. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as much as people want to see these actors continue to play these characters, a part of me is like, thank God for the actors' contracts expiring Mm -hmm. because it'll force them to progress. I mean, what will the next Captain America look like? Uh, hopefully it'll will look be, like Sam Wilson. Will he be Sam Wilson? <laughs> what, what, what will the next Thor look like? Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll look a bit like the mighty Thor, who's a female. Yes. You know, what will what will these characters start to look like? Um, does it mean you can't just go and do another Steve Rogers Captain America story? No, it doesn't because we're, we proved in this one that you can tell – in Wonder Woman that you can tell stories out of sequence. Mm-hmm. This is a story that, yes, because of the bookends – fits into the modern-day DC Entertainment Universe. But it takes place in World War I. Yes. And it's not too hard to believe that it's like, you know what? Let's tell another Captain America World War II story. I would actually set the second Wonder Woman in World War II mm-hmm. if Patty Jenkins wanted me to write it. <laughs> That's Let's what I would. It. I know it's World War II is tough because it is traditionally like a Marvel-owned Captain America era, but that is when Wonder Woman was created in, I think, 41 or 42. I can't okay. remember off the top of my head. So, like, she comes directly out of that era. And if you set it... You know, if you go from the 1910s to the 1940s, you could conceivably keep some of the characters from the first movie around. We could see Etta Candy coming back in maybe sure. a more active role, the way that I would like to see her. Um, calling the sorority sisters. Yeah, calling. <laughs> it's funny too. Calling we, them up. If you don't, if you don't know about William Moulton Marson and his wife and their polyamorous lover who created Wonder Woman. Wow. Uh, yeah, they're polyamorous scientists. Uh, they're pretty great. Um, they were into S and M. So if you read the Golden Age Wonder Woman. Um, the Holiday Girls, you often see Wonder Woman will defeat a female baddie and then she'll take them to the Holiday Girls and they will, quote, haze them to make them good people again, which usually involves bondage and spanking with a paddle. So there's, you know, we could capture that Fifty Shades are these of Grey reprinted? audience. Are these reprinted, these comics? Yeah. <laughs> the audience is like, wait, where can I find this? What, uh, what DC is has two Golden Age Wonder Woman Omnibuy. <laughs> and it's all in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's intense. You can find them on Comixology. Um Wonder Woman wears those great bracers. That is, in the Golden Age, they're kind of these black bracelets that all the Amazons wear to remind them of when they were subservient to Hercules and then Hippolyta had to defeat him. And they're to remind you that you should never let a man control you again. And the only way that you can defeat Wonder Woman is if you're a man and you shackle her two bracelets together and then she loses all of her superpowers. And the lasso, which became the lasso of truth in the 70s, in the 40s, it just compelled you to do whatever she said. Oh, <laughs> so there's oh. also a great book called The Secret Life of Wonder Woman. That's the biography of like the three people who inspired it. It's pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I knew none of that. And again, you can <laughs> learn more. And <laughs> I just did the Geek History lesson yeah. on Golden Age Wonder Guys, Woman. Guys, so. Geek History lesson. You're, right now, you're listening to Geekscape, and we do appreciate you listening to Geekscape. But right after this, go over and click over to Geek History lesson on whatever podcatcher you listen to, and. Uh, <laughs> Ashley can tell you more about it. That's awesome. Yeah, I recapped the first 10 issues, so it's it's a good time. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I had no idea, and that is why you're here. You're here to educate <laughs> me. Um, that is awesome. Uh, Geekscape is a little behind the scenes. Uh, the board over here at Westwood One, what we love, is being run by our good friend, Lindsay Floyd, who I've been on her podcast before. Throw up that mic, Lindsay. Here we go. We're, we're having her throw up the mic. Hey, oh, Lindsay. Boy. Hey, how's it going? Welcome it's been a while. Welcome to Geekscape. I know. A long time Thank coming. You. Uh, Lindsay, you had me on your podcast with my, uh, like a while ago. Yeah. You were on one of our podcasts and you also did Comic-Con. You did a, Mm -hmm. um, what is that? I just kind of dropped into your panel. Our panel. That (laughs) was a while back, but it was really fun. And I learned a lot, even though I was hosting it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I started Geekscape over 10 years ago about. It was like, Hey, if I, it's just my voice every week, then people are going to get really sick of the little that I know. But if I bring people on to help educate me, then hopefully the audience will grow uh, and become better human beings for it, or at least better geeks. That's kind of the goal. 
Um, Lindsay, are you going to maybe be our engineer like every week? I'm really hoping so. That would be so awesome. I was excited when uh, our manager here mentioned that I'd be running the, the board today. Yeah. So. Lindsay works at Westwood One, and one of the cool things about coming over to the Westwood One family was looking up and seeing Lindsay like over here and being like, hey, wait, 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 huh? huh? And then we get introduced to each other. I was like, let me uh, have you meet Lindsay. I was like, oh, Lindsay and I know each other. <laughs> She's awesome. And uh, to which my boss looked very confused. He was like, what? <laughs> you never heard of Tinder? I'm kidding. I'm Come kidding. Come on, we're all local. I mean, <laughs> uh, did you swipe right or swipe left? I, I, wait, which is the bad one? Because that's probably what she swiped. <laughs> oh, you have an account. <laughs> I'm not on that. I'm not on that. No. What's your Tinder name? I'm not on any of it's those Geekscape. things. It's Geekscape. You got to keep the branding fresh. It's Geekscape, and it's just a picture of our very own Matt Kelly, one of the co-hosts <laughs> of the Horror Movie Night podcast, which you should listen to because he had uh, he had two of the main Monster Squad members on a very special mini episode. So if you're a horror fan, listen to Matt Kelly uh, talk to them on a very special mini episode of the Horror Movie Night podcast. If you're a horror fan, you should listen to that. Um, if you're a video game fan, just to throw you out real quick, uh, I actually hosted a episode of the Geekscape Games podcast, a special episode where we just talked about Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is now officially my favorite video game of all time because I'm barely 50% through the game having defeated it, and there's so much left, and I love that world so much. So if you guys are video game fans, we have so much to offer you guys at Geekscape.net. We have a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast hosted by two lovely ladies. It's called Seven of Wine. <gasps> I'm going to listen to that right now. I'm going to subscribe. And Jackie and Jen every week sit down with a glass of wine in a episode of starting from the beginning of Deep Space Nine, and they go through it. You keep that mic going over there, Lindsay. Uh, and <laughs> Lindsay's going back to her, like, duties of engineering, and she lowered her microphone. I was like, oh, no. This is a if, – if anything, this episode is a celebration of women episode, so you keep your mic up and outnumber me. I've got to say this. <laughs> this uh, episode is so inspirational. Just hearing the breakdown of Wonder Woman, I can't, ta- uh, I can't wait to take my 18-year-old sister. Oh, Ashley's awesome. Uh, Ashley so is awesome. And I think we also have a, uh, a 90s television podcast so uh we're excited about that yeah it's it's pretty (laughs) awesome jennifer does a really cool job of hosting it so uh i'm very happy with that the fact that we have almost seven days a week weekly programming over here on geekscape and we love being part of uh of westwood one over here um you slackers dude only seven days a week well (laughs) the thing is with, with geekscape like i actually got i actually lost track of my feed burner account which is crazy. Feedburner is like the post office for podcasting. Like I post this to our SoundCloud and then it goes to Feedburner and then that distributes to iTunes. But if you Geekscapers have been with me for years, you know that I started the show as a video show and I had an audio version of it. So I had two different feeds. I remember when it was a video show. Yeah. And then when I moved over to SoundCloud through our partnership with, um, oh God, who, who was it? But, but, but uh, um, we, we ended up making for some reason there was a third feed that came out of nowhere <laughs> and so now there's an audio feed a geekscape feed and a real true geekscape feed that had been going back to 2006 so this past weekend i looked up and realized that none of the changes i was making on the feed that i had control of were going to itunes none of the new artwork nothing and i realized that i had like some fake dummy feed that i had been working with for the last two years and was like wait there's, a, there's another feed. <laughs> and so uh, our friend Martin, who set so much of this stuff up for me back in 2006, and uh, Shane O'Hare, who runs the Geekscape Games podcast, like the three of us were like, which email address is that feed burner in control? Like, what is going on? And we finally found it. We consolidated everything. And I'm, you know, only 10 years later in control of the Geekscape feed <laughs> that feeds iTunes. So, um our good friends at Westwood One, who uh, we agreed to a partnership for a year. Uh, hey, guess what? I'm back in control of our iTunes feed. <laughs> I dare you. I'm telling on you. <laughs> I think I just told on this. And, and what's amazing is they've been so supportive and so cool, and we love doing the show with them. And if they knew what a buffoon I was. <laughs> <laughs> He's out. We're Guys, taking Ashley instead. I'm trying to be better. That's so funny because I don't run our podcast at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be better. You guys are making me better. And I have females. So I am learning. <laughs> Please don't blame me. Um, speaking we of, welcome you to the matriarchy. <laughs> thank you. I love you guys. Um, so uh, speaking of... Um, 
uh, self-improvement, uh, we put out a question to a lot of Geekscapists about questions that they may have about Wonder Woman, the character. And uh, they posed some questions for Ashley, and she can educate us. But we have some questions from the group. Hang on, just let me open up Google really quick. No, <laughs> A.K.A. the book of knowledge on your phone. Yeah, we all really? walk around with books of knowledge. Um, longtime Geekscapist Raymond Russell, he said uh, he's a Marvel fan. So he says, who's the closest Marvel counterpart? to diana that's tough because for me i definitely subscribe to the grant morrison philosophy of dc characters are our gods and right. they represent you know, usually the greek pantheon is the easiest thing to compare them to which is great for wonder woman whereas marvel characters are science-based kennedy era rah-rah america yeah. type character more they're more pulp characters mm-hmm. um and i don't think there's a strong analog i think in terms of she's the most important female character uh, or a comic book character created, I think bar none. Uh, the closest Marvel analog would be Sue Storm. Mm. Um, she's not similar really in any way. She's not similar in demeanor. She's not similar in appearance. But the Fantastic Four, like you were talking about, is so integral to what Marvel is. And Sue is so integral to that family. She's arguably the most powerful. She's definitely the glue. And I think if you're just looking at the cultural impact, it would have to be her. I know some people would want to make a case for Jean Grey. Or Captain Marvel. Um, or Captain Marvel, who's a much more modern character. I mean, she right. was created like a decade later. But uh, I like Sue better, so mm-hmm. that's the answer I'm going with. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, now Raymond, because he's a man, says, who would win in a fight? Oh, Wonder Woman. You can't <laughs> defeat. You can't defeat a god, she would, and she was yeah. the god of war. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think she's the, arguably stronger than Superman and the DCEU. She's definitely stronger than Superman because if she's, she's magic based, she's, she's absolutely stronger than but, Superman. But she's she's much better trained. Superman has no training, which has been like an arc in several different Justice League stories. Like he mm. learns martial arts because, yeah, he can punch you really hard, but if he loses his powers, what's he going to do? Right. And, I mean, isn't it a pretty common knowledge that, I mean, at least the, the, the post-death of Superman, Superman, when they when John Byrne and everybody tried to weaken him a little bit, or I guess post-crisis, the original crisis, infinite crisis, uh, Superman, they were like, hey, he's he's susceptible to magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could break his nose by throwing a rabbit out of a hat at him. Yes. <laughs> but, but, um, Zatanna but be- can take him down. <laughs> and because it, uh, Diana is so magic-based, mm-hmm. literally born of clay, right? Like that? Not it, anymore. Not anymore. Okay, because that's another question um, that our friend Ryan Mickles wanted to know. He said, "He said, a who is her main villain? Was she really made from clay? And was Ares a figure in the comics?" So I think you're about to answer all those. I because, can answer all those. That's yeah. great. Um, a lot of people want to say that her most iconic villain is Cheetah because yeah. Cheetah is probably the one who shows up the most often. Although there's three different versions of Cheetah, and the current version, who's in Rebirth, Doctor Barbara Minerva, was only created during the George Perez era in the 1980s. Um, the original Cheetah shows up in Sensation Comics number seven, which is about a year into her existence, which is kind of cool. I think her most important villain is Ares because that's the villain that has defined her the most and it plays back into her involvement in the Pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't like Cheetah that much. Um, so that's my personal bias I coming think out. that the recent... Uh, run that mm-hmm. Greg Rick has done with Cheetah has made her like made Dr. Minerva yeah. a friend of hers and it's, it's, more it's so personal that that Dr. Minerva's fall or I guess possession into Cheetah mm-hmm. like her transformation into Cheetah is tragic because she's you know Diana's now not just fighting her she's fighting for her friend yeah who is being possessed by this force that Weird is turning her under god kind of yeah thing. And it's like turning her into Cheetah and it's and it's horrific it's tragic it's sad i love it Mm -hmm. um and it's something that diana can't just punch you know what i mean which is really cool about it and uh and it goes back to what i what really was to me a a problem with the 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 cinematic like this current interpretation of superman is um the death of pa kent is Superman can solve a tornado. Mm-hmm. He can absolutely solve a tornado. He can't solve a heart attack, though. He cannot solve a heart attack. So that original Richard Donner Superman, mm-hmm. when he, he can't get his heart stopping, and just the metaphor of heart in mm-hmm. Superman, Superman doesn't have the brains of Lex Luthor. Brains is Batman. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, Superman has heart, mm-hmm. and he's uh, and, and that is that may be his greatest power, which is also, again, why a morally ambiguous Superman in the modern cinematic version, it's a little weird. Um he needs his heart, and mm-hmm. if they are spoilers for Batman versus Superman, if they're going to kill Superman just to have him come back, mm-hmm. um, having him come back as this pure force of love, mm-hmm. 
is, hey, guys, it's going in a really great direction. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I would love that. I, I, that would be my guess as to what's going to happen. I mean, he's coming back at Justice League. I mean, come on. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> we've all seen the, we've all seen the leaked photos. Yeah. <laughs> I would be very excited by that as well. Yeah. Uh, I will say, too, that Dr. Poison, a.k.a. Dr. Maru, who is in the movie, again, she's been in the trailers. See you at Comic-Con, um, all you Dr. Marus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that little green. Yeah, it would um, be a perfect cosplay. Is her first supervillain who appears in Sensation, it's two or three, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is a very classic female villain for Wonder Woman as well. She was born of clay. She was a clay golem who Hippolyta wanted a baby and breathed life into until... Officially, the new 52 in 2011, they always teased from the Perez run in the 80s forward that maybe she was a god and that it was Zeus's lightning that brought her to life. And then the Brian Azzarello, Cliff Chang run that started in 2011 and went 40 issues and I think is the most perfect contemporary Wonder Woman run um, makes her the daughter of the union of Hippolyta and Zeus. So now canonically, she is a demigod and she's not Mm -hmm. made of clay. Okay. Is that all the questions? I think Ryan, I think you just got... Yeah, in, in, in Ares is a modern-day figure oh, in the comics, yeah, yeah, yeah. but she defeated him and became the God of War. She, well... In the new 52 version. Well, she she's defeated him a bunch of times. Okay. Because he came around, I think, in the Silver Age. Some God of War you turned out to be, pal. Um, in the new 52, she defeats... It's not Ares, but it's okay. the God of War. Oh, And then it. she inherits the title and gets to go to Olympus because a lot of that run deals with... Um, Zeus is gone, so who's going to take over Olympus? Who's going to be in charge? Because Apollo really wants it. And the Cliff Chang designs of all the characters are so beautiful. Like, Apollo is a, a black character, like, like black, like, African the, the color. Okay. Um, not, yeah. Oh, no. He pure, is, like, he, pure black. Yes. He is okay. drawn, like, with features. Like sunspot. Features that are, <laughs> like sunspot from, yeah. <laughs> from, uh, from because the, he's the, sun, the New Mutants. So, so he's it. burnt, but he does have, like, uh, African-American facial features, and he does have dreadlocks. But, like, he's colored, like, in the color wheel. It is the color right. black in Photoshop. He is all of the and, colors. And his eyes glow because he's got his solar power inside of him. And, like, um, Artemis, who's the goddess of the moon in the hunt, like, she's a moonbeam. So she's, like, bright white okay so they're more literal interpretations than we've seen previously um and so aries aka war is like an old man who's always sick and has a beard that's awesome and then diana kills him <laughs> um pablo machado machado uh you still live in guadalajara buddy i love this guy i see him at comic-con every year and he's incredible uh, in what other era do you believe a sequel could take place? You said World War II. I would set it in World War II because right. she does say in BBS that she left the world of men behind. And I don't believe that what we saw in this movie is enough for her to go away or go into hiding right. and not be Wonder Woman. Yeah, and I didn't I, buy that either after seeing this movie. Especially the last, you know, the scene where they're all together and they're walking away from the photograph and everybody's right. Uh, happy. Right, um, the, the happy ending to this movie. You will see. Spoiler, yeah. It, it just, it just makes it. It just. I mean, granted, there's gonna be a happy ending to this movie. Yes, but uh, yeah, it, yeah. She seemed like a like a character who wanted to be more involved in man's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in man's story than. And I, and I think by setting it in World War II, where we we often like to, not like to, but we think of that as sort of the worst atrocity that we've wrought, certainly in the mm-hmm. modern era, that that might be enough to be like, I saved you, I slew the god of war. And you turn around a generation later and do this, that that right. might be enough. Mm-hmm. And I would like personally, I would like to see what drives her away. Sure. Before jumping to the modern age. Although I think it's interesting because most of the men that I've talked to or I've heard talk about this are like, it has to be in the modern age. No. And I don't know why you would do that because you hamper yourself with continuity. Whereas if you stay in the past, like if you set her in the seventies, and maybe you do an homage to the Linda Carter series and you make her a spy, like in that really, really weird series right before Perez took over. Uh, where she wore the wore the white outfit, right? Then that's a cool way to nod to continuity and not have to worry about what Batman's up to. And you know what? She's fucking Wonder Woman. Why would she have to be a spy? Because they <laughs> like, depowered her and gave her a baby. It was yeah, weird. They, they ain't doing that in the movies. <laughs> they ain't doing that in the movies. Uh, she is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, Tim Grant says, does she have any weaknesses? Physically, let's go for it. Not really. Okay. Um, if, you, if, if you connect those chains, <laughs> right? Uh, if it's the night, if it's about up until about 1960, yeah. If you connect the bracers, you could take her down. Right. Uh, she does get tied up a lot. She gets hog tied a lot in that same run. Wow. Uh, because of you know S and M, and um, she's a character who, you know, how like in the 2000s, Batman went through like super dick Batman phase. Where he I think was, he's like, still in it. 
But compared to like um, Bruce Wayne murderer where he punches Nightwing in the face yeah, in the Batcave. Considering I think Batman, Lego Batman's the best <laughs> Batman movie of all time because it really nailed how big of a dick Batman is. I, he's always been a dick to me. <laughs> uh, there was an era like right around Identity Crisis where Wonder Woman was really vicious. Um, mm-hmm. If you've read Identity Crisis yeah. or spoiler for a book that's over a decade old. Uh, I think old, it's 15 old years old now. Um, Pretty she, close to 15. Where she breaks Mac, Max Lord's neck. Yep. She During that era, she's often like blinded by rage and people will use that to weaken her and also her sort of lack of understanding of the way, quote, man's world works. But she's not like Superman with kryptonite. Right. So you have to be a god and overpower her um, or outmaneuver her, really. There's not... There's no green rock to help you out. <laughs> the answer's close to no, Tim. Yeah. She's a badass. Uh, and she's, I mean, we knew that at the end of Batman vs. Superman when she fucking was a badass. That's my favorite 12 minutes of the movie. <laughs> I think a lot of people agree with that. Um, Heidi Cox says, didn't her first story take place during World War II? Yes, it did. It did. So, Good call. The last panel of all those stories is like, buy war bonds. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's very... Pro- propaganda is in, propagandistic in, or something like some I adjective I can't yeah. think of in the first in her first story where you see like oh she's you know Steve Trevor crashes and they do the tournament to see who's going to take him back to man's world um Hippolyta prays to Athena and Aphrodite and they tell her that they have to send an Amazon from Themyscira to protect America because it's it's something like the last bastion of freedom and equality for women like well, aren't it's we up so our butts? <laughs> It's so pro-American. You, I, you can't vote, but we are the last best. <laughs> Stay I, in your lane, ladies. I get I get it would have been... It's important for the time, and that's what it right. came out of. But you're like, really? Because we still got some problems. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the comic in the 40s, yeah. early 40s. And it's like, oh, yeah, but um, we're still going to go through suffrage and all that stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it could be worse. On the dollar. <laughs> it could be worse, you dames. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Yeah, broads. We gave you a comic book, you broads. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Katie Alcicer. Katie, I just butchered your name. I'm sure of it. You are one of the funniest women I know, and I worship you as a comedian and a friend, but I just butchered your name. Um, she says, will calling our senators and begging them to see this movie change anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the same reason. Well, not Senator Boxer, because she kicks ass already. <laughs> that's true. That's, but, that's really true. Yeah. Um, is Kamala Harris a governor or a senator? I don't, senator. I don't really understand she's American awesome. politics. I'm not going to oh, lie. Oh, she's Canadian. But um, uh, yeah, she's, she's our, one of our California senators. Yeah, she there you go. So she doesn't, she doesn't need to go see our, it. Our two California senators are pretty awesome. But I'm guessing some of those boys in Texas need to be seeing this movie. I'm going to say that um, people like that mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, have already made up their mind. And they're the reason why Wonder Woman has three negative reviews. We're talking to you, Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted Cruz, don't offend the women who are going to go see that by seeing this movie. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? This is what I want these individuals to do. Going, you know, taking Katie's question very seriously because I love Katie. Um, I, not only do I think, I, you know what? I don't want them to go see the movie as much as I want them to sit in the movie and see the people watching the movie. Yes, and realizing that this is a force that they've neglected. It will be their undoing, mm-hmm. and they need to figure this crap out because I mean they're representative of ego and they're the fears of their base and it's created a climate where we are all divided and if you look at the people watching this movie um, everybody just seems pretty unified in accepting that uh, A, we've gone too long without this film, we've gone too long without encouraging over half of our population and being supportive of over half of our population and um, it hopefully has ended this past weekend even especially you know, if all you listen to is the commercialability, mm-hmm. if all you listen to is profit, here's the evidence. Two hundred million worldwide. Here's the evidence that you have done that you've ignored this to your own detriment. Um, so if all you care about is you know the profiteering and you know all of that and you know it's capitalism, then watch it just rolled out in front of you and uh, here's your opportunity. <laughs> when you say there's an opportunity <laughs> there. Well, there was an opportunity there, and you've ignored it for this long. I will, I will answer this in all seriousness, um, and then my political views will be made very clear. Um, <laughs> She's Canadian. Get her out of here. All the, <laughs> I got a green card. <laughs> all the white women who voted for Trump are the people who need to see this movie. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> because that was a significant part of the voting populace. The deplorables. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tweet me. <laughs> so, so, Katie, why are you uh, silencing your microphone slowly? I'm kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm kidding, Lindsay. Lindsay's just slowly being like, She's like I can't. I'm kidding. <laughs> Lindsay, didn't you grow up in Orange County? Uh, no, okay. You have beautiful roofs there. <laughs> no. Lindsay gets it. Lindsay gets it. I like having you on here, Lindsay. Oh, thank you. I really uh, like being here. Well, it's the highlight the, of my day. Well, I, I do like, I love Westwood One. Here's the thing. Geekscape is just to take you uh, behind the scenes. You guys know that I, I've had Kenny on the show as my co-host for like the last two years. But Kenny is also in a wheelchair. He's he's paraplegic. And I miss Kenny so much. It's not easy for him to get from Santa Clarita to Culver City, especially not when we do the show Ooh. at 9.30 in the morning when all traffic points from Cl- Santa Clarita to Culver City. Um, and I found myself the last couple of weeks like without a co-host or without anybody that I could bounce off of and entertain. I think it, <laughs> it, it, it makes me better. So, I mean, I've kind of, I mean, I love the episodes that I've done here. But I feel like I was swimming because I'm here with a microphone by myself, and that's never been ideally what I wanted to do. Uh, it's why I have rotating guest hosts like Ashley. It's why I've done this for so long is the energy of having the immediacy of, I don't know, talking to people. Um, and having Lindsay here is like, <laughs> man, when Jack You said, didn't know you're the new co-host. I had no idea, but I'm so oh happy. Oh, my God. It's so, Just- it's so important to me to look over and be like, what's that funny? <laughs> You, it, I'll it, give you all the laughs. Lindsay, it wasn't, so you say something funny now. <laughs> it's you so need, like the awesome. coyote sign that's like, help. Yeah. help. <laughs> like, it's so important. And oh my God, thank you. I'm so happy to have Lindsay here. Um, don't take another job, please. <laughs> well, you know my track record of quitting, so yeah, I'll just no. add it on top of all She's the She's like, things. I'll do a million jobs. <laughs> you can't stop uh, me. Uh, guys, this has been a really fun episode. I'm very educated now, and I think this is eye-opening. Um, if you haven't seen Wonder Woman, please go see it. Uh, if you want the spoilers, if you've seen Wonder Woman and you want all those spoilers, and you, you know, for 10 years, Ian has been my go-to guy. Whenever there's been a comic book movie, a comic book series, a big comic book crossover event, uh, the dude is, I think, about 10 years older than me, and he's read all them books. Uh, and, and he's so OCD about them. So uh, if you guys want a really, really spoiler-filled episode uh, and have seen the movie, I'll be putting the Ian episode up later this week, but I needed to give ladies first, and that meant having yeah. Ashley on here. I like that. Um, <laughs> Ashley's got to be on here. She's got to give you this geek history lesson. If you want more geek history lesson, you can see – I mean, guys, you can tell how Ashley just dropped it. <laughs> It was awesome. Uh, if you want more education, uh, Ashley is at Geek History Lesson uh, with her. I love Jason so much. He's Me too. one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> and uh, and if you guys know Jason, he's one of the hosts on, uh, on DC All Access. Yes. So he knows his stuff too, almost as much as Ashley. <laughs> almost. <laughs> you guys can find him at Geek History Lesson or on YouTube at the Jawin uh, YouTube channel is J-A-W-I-I-N you can always find us here at geekscape.net like I said earlier in the show we've got a ton of other podcasts if you, lo- you love video games you love horror you love Deep Space Nine you yes. love 90s television <laughs> we are slowly but surely growing and um, hopefully you guys are growing with us if you enjoy Geekscape share it with your friends tell everybody um, to subscribe you can find us on geekscape.net you can find us on YouTube you can find us on Facebook Twitter Instagram all of that. Um, Ash, where else can we find some of you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important or else you'll <laughs> find a WNBA player that I don't want to fight for SEO. You just have to play her one-on-one. It's just a game of horse. Oh, but she's <laughs> tall and probably strong okay, and the, probably played in Amazon. Well, the, 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 second, the second round is a trivia contest, so I think it'll be fun. A comic I, book trivia contest. I could do, I could do okay on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third round, we'll, fi- we'll figure out. American history and then I'll be totally screwed um, also Jason and I have a comic book that is coming out and you can pre-order it if you go to jupiterjet.backerkit.com you can uh, pre-order it and then maybe uh, find us at San Diego and we'll give you something cool and I think they're going to be signing at the Geekscape booth and promoting at the Geekscape booth because here in San you Diego. allow us to every year I love you guys and um, the one pleasure of that booth is to have all my friends there and help me through that very long weekend uh, which I, you know, it's a long weekend, but I love that weekend. And so, for sure, Jason and Ashley are going to be promoting Jupiter Jet at the Geekscape booth, and I'm really excited about it because the book looks awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, Geekscape has been a pleasure. Uh, we will be here next week. So, I love you guys. Um, and I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say, co-host? Oh, oh, have a wonderful week. Bye, guys.